This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Natalie has a proven track record to get your home sold faster and for more money. She is consistently focused on her clients' needs and wants throughout the entire process and make sure that they are well taken care of. If you're looking to buy or sell, reach out to Natalie today. On average, Natalie sells a home every 3.74 days. That's at least two a week. And last year, Natalie earned her clients on average over $4,000 above list price on their homes. And you don't have to take our word for it. Here's some of the great reviews Natalie has received. I was overwhelmingly impressed with Natalie and all the Hatch team. She was very responsive and responded to all of the emails within an hour. She gave great advice and encouragement from the listing and pictures, the offer and all the closing details, the marketing team knew exactly how to promote my property and I was pleased by how soon and easily my property received an offer. I was actually dreading selling my condo and Natalie did such an awesome job that I felt like I really didn't need to do anything. The thing I most appreciated was that she really listened to what I wanted to do and respected my decisions. I would definitely recommend Natalie and all the Hatch Realty team. They made this process so wonderful. That was from Diane. So listen, if you're in the mood to buy or sell a home, give Natalie a call right now. You can reach her at 701-388-9338, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at hatchrealityfm.com, or you can go to livefargomorehead.com, that's livefargomorehead.com, and find out some information. Huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring JJ Meets World. Hello, podcast listener. This episode of JJ Meets World features Sally Jacobson from the Red River Zoo. We get to talk to Sally about animals and what they do when animals poop and great stuff like that. Plus, uh, she's going to give you some information about how if you want to become a member of the zoo or if you'd like to donate, that would be great. Speaking of donations, patreon.com slash JJ Meets World. Help us keep the lights on for less than the cup of coffee that can fit inside of an olive jar. That'll make sense very soon. Patreon.com slash JJ Meets World. One, two, three, four. J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always snipping out his next adventure. Yes, he is! He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets World. We are rolling, J.J. Anytime you want to kick us off with this intro, you go for it, bud. Sometimes we rely on the most. <laughs> oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Are you injured? <laughs> so, right as we start recording, JJ's chair literally <laughs> broke and he fell to the floor. Are you okay? Are you injured? Hold on. I got to start up this other microphone so you can start talking. Oh, never mind. Oh. <laughs> God. I mean, it's just dead. It's gone. I'm taking a photo. I'm going to note that Tucker bought these chairs, and I think you set this me up, you chump. Oh. I'm going to explain to my wife later how I got these bruises. 
She's going to be like, why is your armpit all bruised? I collapsed in this chair. And it couldn't have just put me right on the ground, too. It was a two-stage break where I, I kind of fell down. And then it, I fell down and the seat went down. And then the arms split apart. Oh. Oh, ah. hurts from laughing. Good. I'm glad that you got something that was amusing to you. Uh, also, did you keep asking me if I was injured? Well, well yeah. Why you, did you just ask me if I was hurt? Well, I, I did. That's what because, injured like, means, JJ. No, it doesn't. Because what about my emotions? <laughs> I have hurt emotions. Injured and hurt basically means the same thing. In fact, injured's <sighs> more specific. Is your body harmed? Are you okay? Like nothing's bleeding. Oh, uh, I'm, I, you've got a better vantage point for blood. Well, okay, so do you see any blood coming through my sweatshirt? You're wearing a black hoodie. I'm not seeing any blood. I think I'm okay. I mean, I'm really sweaty right now because I my body's in a panic. But like, I think I'm okay. <laughs> that was. Oh my god. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. So donate to our Patreon because we need new chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're down now. Now we can't have four guests. We can't have four people on at the same time. We can only have three because we only have three chairs. Oh, my stomach. Um, well, I guess Tucker and I are going to go look for some chairs today. We're going to look for some new chairs uh, as part of our day. And the whole thing I was going to talk about now is worthless. So we're just going to chalk it up to the fact that thousands and thousands of people will literally hear the moment that my rump bursts through the bottom of a chair and uh and hurt and hurt me so uh rest in peace chair and these little nubs that were holding it together i guess today is sally jacobson who did not break a chair when she was here but she has a very interesting chalice from which she was drinking coffee uh, that we talk about right off the bat. Sally is the executive director of the Red River Zoo. I'll just finish this while you sit over there and laugh, okay? Uh, and we get to talk a lot about zoo, uh, the zoo. We talk about how her passion for animals now gets to be a career. How lucky when you actually get a job that is something that you're passionate about. Um, it's rare. It's rare that people, I think, get that opportunity. And so she's living, she's living her best life possible. So, uh, as you guys get into this, I want you to think about that time that you went to the zoo and you were amazed, whether it was last week or 50 years ago. I can't look um, at the broken chair in the ground. No, it's a shame chair. It's all full of shame. Um, and it had previously broken once, and I thought I had fixed it. So, this is probably as much on me as it is on you. So, uh, podcast listeners, I hope that you enjoy this episode of JJ Meets World with Sally Jacobson from the Red River Zoo, uh, as well as star of the film Night of the Sassy. More on that later. Podcast, go! JJ Meets World! Sally Jacobson, welcome to JJ Meets World. Hi, thanks for having me. So you're drinking out of a Spanish <laughs> olive jar this I morning, am. and it's not you're not drinking olive juice. No, or no, no, it's coffee. It's straight co coffee. Oh, okay, and I noticed like you even keep, kept the lid. I know. Well, see, I never keep track of like those portable coffee mugs ever, yeah. and then I have to either it's a debate either like leave my coffee at home, which is really sad. And so this morning, I I knew I would not uh, make it without some coffee. Just Dump it in there. And actually, I'm going to advocate for this now. I think it's actually really smart. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's part of that reduce, reuse, recycle exactly. movement, right? Exactly. So here's my question. 
do you did this just happen to be at the top of your recycling and so you grabbed it threw some water through it oh. washed it out or is this like your constant <laughs> like i've got it's, gas station sunglasses that are super cheap that mm-hmm. for whatever reason i haven't lost in a decade but yep. the one nice pair of sunglasses i invested in oh gone in like 20 minutes yes exactly well i have like a whole cupboard in my like in my cupboard a bunch of glass jars of different mm-hmm. sizes and shapes because mm-hmm. they're so cool yeah and you never know when you're gonna want to use one <laughs> does, well, does your does your coffee taste like sliced spanish olives well what's interesting it tastes a little bit like brown sugar because i had been storing brown sugar in it mm. <laughs> <laughs> but i really needed to bring coffee with me so, so I, like the next thing that you put in there is going to taste like coffee and yeah. brown sugar and sliced spanish yes, olives this might be my one. permanent coffee one for a little while until i lose it i mean here's the thing it's the perfect size so i yeah. didn't even question it when i came in until i saw the <laughs> telltale sign of what i was like is that the word olive on the side of that thing <laughs> sure enough and then of course the nutrition information doesn't match anymore <laughs> you know there is sort of like the unspoken is she drinking olive juice <laughs> is that what she's doing yeah you know, well, she's so drinking, is that lady drinking olive just juice just walking around town it's, with it <laughs> do you ever see black olives in a glass jar or only oh, green olives yes. mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so like that could have been the juice from black olives but certainly <laughs> not spanish <Right>. olives <laughs> With pimento. Mm. <laughs> See, okay, who's getting their olive without pimento? Because I feel like that is a that is something that we should just accept as this is it's, the way that you serve an olive. Yes, it's kind of a ripoff if not. And I don't like them if they have the seed in there. That's just disturbing. Oh, I, how many times have you been, you know, maybe at like a fancy party and they've got like a little relish tray along with a charcuterie and you grab <laughs> an olive and you, and it's got Basically the pit break in it. Your teeth. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no thank you whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, what are you putting your green olives with pimento in? What, what am I putting my green olives with pimento yeah, in? Yeah, like what are you? What are you? Oh, what, are you what was making? this for? Yeah, pasta. My son loves olives, so I usually oh, put in the putting pasta. Green olives right into the pasta. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. See the the is it calamata or clamata? Is oh yeah. I want to say clamato, but Clam- that's definitely not what it is. But those olives. The mm-hmm. Kalamata or Klamata. Do you know what olives I'm talking Please about? Please continue trying to pronounce the word you can't remember. <laughs> so, I'm sure we have a listener who's like, it's called Clyde. They're called Clyde olives, JJ. <laughs> but I got really into those. I did the whole 30 challenge two years ago. Okay. And so I was using that a lot, like those olives a lot because they're like, oh, they're super rich in protein or something. What's the whole 30 challenge? The whole 30 is where you cut out sugar and refined grains uh, i mean you're pretty much eating down to the basics um and it was i mean it was a it was a long month but it yeah. was great i felt wonderful afterwards did you really did yeah. you have a lot of more different energy or oh yeah yeah it's just like so i've got a bad habit of drinking diet coke mm-hmm. so i'm like because i don't drink coffee tucker mm-hmm. will take down Two large coffees in a morning. Yeah, and he'll drink it mm-hmm. all day long. I, I don't understand. No, 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 no. I stop. I, I, I have to stop around lunchtime. Like nine o'clock when I go to bed, I stop. I have acid oh, reflux wow. disease, and so like the acidic coffee, like really after a while. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm trying to what I've been doing at work now because there's like free coffee all day at work, just constant. You know, it just comes out of a spigot. You just yeah. constantly have coffee, and the three options are mild, coffee, and bold. And so I go mm-hmm. now. What I do is I go bold in the morning, and then once that cups down to about of a third left, I just fill it with hot water, and that's my second coffee. Oh, weird! Okay. And it actually is pretty awesome. See, I'm coffee all day, all night. Yeah. Like, uh, last Friday night, I, this is kind of lame, but what I did is I just watched 
a million episodes of that great British baking show. No, oh, I love that show. And I realized it was one in the morning and I was sitting with a coffee. Like, <laughs> like this can't be normal. <laughs> Stop. Do you find it hard to watch that show and not just be craving whatever oh, it is that they're so making fun. it? It's so fun to watch what they what they do. And they're so positive yep. versus it's not a negative, you know, thing. Yeah, we like we've got chopped in America, right? And so right. chopped, you know, it's it's a competition and no one's helping anyone else and they're kind of squealing on each other too and telling tales. And, yeah. But the Great British Baking Show, if someone needs help, people go help. Yeah, they're they're, like, like they're always excited to see what the other person did. Yeah. Kind of the difference between American Idol and The Voice. You know, one is about, you know, those moments where you, where someone's getting crushed and the other one is just about a celebration of the thing. Right. There was a show this last year that I didn't watch any episodes of called The Masked Singer, mm. where people wore costumes and had to sing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did not get behind it. But get this. This is a really great tie in to our guest, Ooh. Sally Jacobson. They're Ooh, dressed as animals. So there was like, oh. Ooh, who's the elephant? Ooh, <laughs> who's going to be the panther? And uh, amongst all of your great qualities, uh, the, the zoo is a huge part of your life. Yes, it is. I love zoos and aquariums. I always have. How'd so. you get started in the, the zoo world? It's interesting. Um, for me, it better be because you've well, just. I just said, said it's now. interesting. Dang it! <laughs> no, but my mom. We used to live in D.C. when I was a really little kid. My mom used to take us to the zoo all the time. I suppose because it was free and something to do with little kids. And I can remember literally being a year and a half old and looking into the polar bear exhibit, and I had no idea what. I just saw the glass and water in front of me, and a polar bear just swam up, pushed his paws off, and I could remember every single second of that. You know. I can remember my dad's tweed bell bottoms and it, how itchy they were and how terrified, but yet in awe I was. And after that, I just wanted to do something to save animals and work with animals. So that's, oh, that's what I awesome. do. Yeah. So maybe and it's interesting. For, <laughs> I, so, you know, people who listen to this podcast outside the Fargo-Moorhead area mm-hmm. get a neat glimpse at Fargo-Moorhead, but... Uh, because I think a lot of people think po- podunk, right? Yeah. When you think of Fargo, like, oh, you guys have indoor plumbing? Are you taking horses <laughs> to, to work? Um, exactly. But we've got a really first-rate zoo in Fargo. We're very, very lucky. And it's yeah. relatively new by some zoo standards. Yeah. Um, so how did you get involved with the Red River Zoo? Yeah. So um, actually, it was, I, don't know, I started about seven years ago. I, previously, I'd, I my background is in anthropology. And I did a little bit of uh, coursework, graduate coursework in primatology. So I originally started at another zoo working with monkeys and apes and then kind of worked my way up through everything that zoos do. So I started at Fargo Zoo about seven years ago on the business end. I had always worked with animals or the education component. So I had to learn a lot about business. And thankfully, when this job opening for the director came came about, I was one of the people selected. They did a national search and I was lucky enough to get that responsibility. Well, it's so, very, it's exciting. Yeah. And you've done a lot of really interesting things with the zoo. And yeah. you take advantage of every opportunity, I think, for people looking for a, like a, a place to go with their kids, a place to go as an adult that's mm-hmm. unique and different. Um, uh, my wife and I went to one of the like the feeding things where it's oh. like, oh, come on out. We're going to have all these breweries. And then, you know, you get to watch the wolves being fed. And, yeah. Uh, I had that same moment where I was pressing my face against the fence <laughs> and going like, whoa. <laughs> uh, and it was just it was just a ton, ton of fun. Yeah. And I was out at the zoo for the when we had the eclipse. 
Like, oh yeah, that, that was, was so fun. Huge. There were so many people there. That was awesome. Well, we had ordered those glass, those special glasses that you need, like way in advance. Not really realizing that I guess everybody else in town ran out of them. Yeah, it was a sh- total shortage. Yeah, and people were going crazy for these glasses, but we were handing them all out. But what I like about our zoo, we're, we are really young. We're only twenty years old, so this is our twentieth year being open, and we're completely nonprofit, which is almost unheard of for a zoo that's starting up. Um, but more importantly is that we specialize in cold climate species. So we specialize in animals that do really well in environments just like here in Fargo. And they're just dedicated to doing what we can for the animals that we can. So we're very, very mission centered, but also I think because we're young and I'm kind of, I don't know, silly or a risk taker, we do a lot of silly things at our, to, it kind of falls in that Fargo North of normal kind of the thing, stuff you wouldn't expect from a zoo, um, just like that weird April Fool's joke that we pulled the other day. Yeah, so just uh, just a couple days ago, I think you guys, without a doubt, won April Fool's Day in the <laughs> FM area, that's for sure. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about what you did? Yeah, so we did a, kind of an April Fool's prank. We Actually, it was really cool. We had one of our staff members even make up a whole um, mock of the exhibit, uh, basically launching a $400 million campaign to bring dragons <laughs> into the zoo. <laughs> and we kind of uh, echoed a lot of the themes from Game of Thrones. It was really quite cute. <laughs> and you fielded a bunch of phone calls from people being like, uh, so when is, is this real? I mean, I yes. know it's not real, but is it real? No, nobody said I know it's not real. They called to like, you know, inquire more about the dragons <laughs> that and it, it, it even said, you know, fire breathing dragons and that we're getting a, a heat shield to protect our keeper staff from when they're going in. But um, one, I felt kind of bad because one older lady called and she just kind of shamed me a little bit. <laughs> oh, for this. You shouldn't do that to people. Inappropriate prank. <laughs> you just shouldn't do that to people. I've been, I was excited. I've been waiting to die until like I see a real dragon. And I like I how thought, she took it that like, you lied to these people. Like, right. You got their hopes up. Yes. Why would you do that? <laughs> That's fantastic. Didn't you have an anecdote of like some kid you went to school with uh, in college, like found out that there were um, Denisovians or something. And so he thought that was what hobbits were based off of. So I went to college in Chicago at Columbia Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be a filmmaker until I realized, oh, man, I don't like the kids who are going to school for film. (laughs) Um, And uh, there was this kid and he was. Just a massive and all stature guy. He was like an Andre the Giant type human being. And he had broken his right arm. And so he was wearing a, a like a sling cast. But it, the, the, the sling was bothering him. So he had a full bath towel that he was using uh-huh. that kind of was spread over. So it sort of looked like a cape a little bit. <laughs> but so in this class, we had to talk about ideas we had going forward from news stories. And so I took this story... Uh, of a guy who w- was a cop who found, uh, like, tracked these thieves who had stolen a donut truck because donuts were falling falling out. And so he drove around the city until he found a donut, and then he found another donut, and then that's how he tracked them to get back. But this guy sets the stage for us by going, thousands of years ago, on a continent, we know longer inhabit (laughs) and then he talks about how they found this miniature society who obviously represented what we would consider a hobbit Mm -hmm. by today's tolkien standards (laughs) and he goes so what does this all mean yeah dragons (laughs) 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 and i think we were all waiting to see where he was going to go with this thing and when he ended on dragons 
Uh, a few of us were like, beers afterwards? Beers <laughs> afterwards? So, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Because people want to see dragons. They want to believe that dragons are real. Yeah. Well, then I thought, well, maybe they're thinking of like Komodo dragons or something. I tried, to, but if you read, that means they didn't read the content nor look at the picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, welcome to the 21st century. We're yeah. headline only these days. <laughs> it's it's not the same thing, but if you do need something to kind of like, it's like a consolation gift, though, I think you should look into getting into being interested in dinosaurs. There you because go. that yeah. was I was huge in the dinosaurs as a kid. Once I learned that there were these massive, you know, dragon-like yeah. without the fire breathing uh, beasts that used to to live, you know, on this continent and on this planet. Um, and I had, well, I have a, a great aunt who uh, was connected with the Cincinnati Zoo, mm-hmm. and she just personally was ultra interested in wildlife. And so every time we'd go visit family in Kentucky and around that area, we'd go to the Cincinnati Zoo. Mm. And she would basically be our tour guide. And then she would um, uh, basically at every stop, we wouldn't read the placards or anything because she would know the name. And then she would have things to tell us about. Yeah. And uh, other people would kind of hear her talking about it and like gather in a bit. Her son, who passed away a few years ago, for a time was one of like the world authorities on the black rhino. Oh, sure. That's what it was. He was the only person to have, I want to say milked one in captivity or no, in the wild. Wow. Milked one in the wild. Wow. Yeah. And he was hired by countries to migrate these rhino, like some of these yeah. rhinos from one area of the country to another to a preserve that they had set up because they didn't want to put them all in trucks. Right. right. And so <clears throat> he, I mean, he had an amazing right. story. Oh, but I'm sorry, but to just to tie it back into my last thought there was that, so I went to the Cincinnati Zoo with my Aunt Jean and she bought me a dinosaur poster, which I still have. Oh, nice. Which is laminated. Yeah. And I, it, it's this really awesome poster from probably like 91 and it separates the different layers of uh, it basically looks like layered ground and they stand for the, each of the epochs of, of dinosaur life. Mm-hmm. And then I would like study the, the words on it. And uh, anyway, so if you're upset that we don't get dragons at the Fargo <laughs> zoo, look into dinosaurs, but then just go to the zoo and look yeah. at the birds. <laughs> well, the nice part about the April fools is that we finally got people back because zoos get pranked big time on April fools day. You get so many, which is actually really fun. I look forward to it all year. Like, all right, who's going to call? What are they going to ask Uh-oh. for? You know? And it's, so I look forward to it literally all year long to see what kind of weird calls that we get. So it was kind of nice to turn the tables With around. The, like, Oh, we hear there's this, I hear we, <laughs> the pigs escaped. Yeah. Or somebody's secretary will give, you know, their coworker or whatever, a phone number to return a phone call to Mr. Bear. And then you answer <laughs> <laughs> something like that, you know, and you have to break it to him. No, you called this, you called the zoo. So, and you know, we put a little fundraising thing at the end, like a little joke, happy April fools. Um, but if you want to support the zoo and we made like 700 bucks and people really, nice. most people did have a really, um, thought it was really funny. So it was fun. Yeah, I, I I like that a lot. And if you think that dinosaurs really exist, you've got you've got some interesting <laughs> things to talk about around your dining room table. Dinosaurs did exist. Dragons, 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 exist. dragons, dragons, yes. dragons. Sorry. Well, I mean, we don't know about dinosaurs. I've heard a lot of things about uh, ancient cultures burying bones to <laughs> trick. It's like the ultimate April Fools. I don't believe that. So you don't need to write into the show. <laughs> uh, so uh, another thing. So Sally. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you were in a short film I saw. I think that's the first time that I ever became known uh, of who you are. Oh, yeah. That previous guest Greg Carlson made about Sasquatch. Oh, yes. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. The, what, what was it? Do you remember Night the, of the Sassy. We Night were just talking about it before you got here. <laughs> and it was such a fun little short film that yeah. involved, like, Greg's obsession with Sasquatch. And he had the board game as a part of it. And I feel like there were costume pieces that he already... Yeah, he's like, don't oh, yeah. worry. I mean, this thing's pretty much done. All I need is people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, like he had the board game was a big part of it. As I think, I think the board game may have kickstarted the idea. Probably it was. Yeah, and I I was not aware of that board game until until we started making the movie. But it was I it was actually really fun. But the the movie itself was really cute. I thought it was we got really creative, but it was different um, than it played at the Fargo Theater. And I didn't really think to tell any of my family anything about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so my at the I was married at the time. My um, brother-in-law and his friends all went. And he was like, oh, my gosh, that's my sister-in-law. That's my sister-in-law. Oh, oh, my. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, a, sorry. It PG, takes a turn. There's a PG-13 moment. <laughs> it takes a turn. But uh, it's still, later on. I think it's still tasteful, though. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it was really it's, cute. It's, it's, it's nothing yeah. bad. In fact, uh, the thing I remember most from that short, and unfortunately, you're not a part of it, Sally, but when <laughs> your boyfriend in the film is you're setting up the tent and there's, like, a fly and he is spraying all of the... Yes. The, the like off all around him and he just like circles and circles and circles. He's, he's really not funny. made for that, for that life. Right. He's not made. He's probably, he's, you know, cause their, their relationship is very much one where she's ultra interested in Sasquatch and he's ultra interested in her, but not Sasquatch, not that part of it. And right. just, so just to, to refresh even my memory, your character is a Sasquatch expert yeah, I think like maybe a cryptozoologist. Cryptozoologist, that's, right. mm-hmm. that's what it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a much fancier way of saying it. So but, does anyone, have you then ever met someone who found out that you were, uh, you're not technically a zoologist, are you? No, I'm not. No, no. that would be an actual like, uh, you went to school for being a zoologist. Yeah, kind yep. of so my background was um, anthropology. Does but, anyone yeah. ever contact you honestly, like offering their cryptozoological <laughs> services? I wish. No, I wish. No, uh-uh. we get all sorts of other calls of people with weird pets and things like that, but nothing. JJ, let's start the first cryptozoological zoo. Yeah, no, there you go. Yeah, I mean, if they can make $700 in a day, <laughs> we could roll into town, set up a tent, and walk out of here with $1,000 cold hard cash. Um, so okay, so you you bring up an interesting thing about people's pets, mm-hmm. right? Do you ever get offers from individuals or from law enforcement for mm-hmm. like we just confiscated a giant snake? Would you guys like a snake? Yeah, so we get lots of phone calls, <laughs> um, mostly from individuals. So we the people don't understand like when you're when you run a zoo, there's a specific plan. You have a collection plan just like any other museum, and you're taking animals. Um, a lot of them that are in need, you know, species that are endangered, and you're working with other zoos around the world. Um, but people innocently think, you know, oh, I bought this, whatever it is, maybe the zoo wants it. And um, so we have to redirect people quite often. But I've gotten calls from everything, you know, from the regular iguanas all the way up to somebody calling, trying to get rid of a giraffe. It's quite a, crazy what people have. Um, and not too often with a law enforcement, but every, you know, every once in a while, they'll get a call. Uh, I think of... Um like the the individual who was like, no, it'll be awesome to have a monkey. And it's like, right. you better not get that monkey. And then they get the monkey and they find out it is not fun. 
Yeah. And the person that they bought the monkey from is like, no, 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 I'm not taking that monkey back. I made the same mistake you did. Get a cat. Get a cat. <laughs> um, there's a story in Grand Forks just this last year of a black bear that had wandered into town. Mm-hmm. And it kind of captivated everyone because the initial thought was like, well, we'll just put it down. You mm-hmm. know, like it's a danger to society and we need to take care of it. And I saw <laughs> in the comment thread on uh, one of the stories was, well, someone called the zoo. The zoo can take it. The zoo can take it. Yeah. But if they dropped a black bear off, it's not like you've got the proper right. environment. It's not like you've got the proper, you know. Yeah, you can only house so many animals and you only have, the, you know, each design, each exhibit design is very speci- specific for that species. So it's not like we just have this huge area where we can just take whatever, you know, happens to pop by. But we do offer our services whenever we can help because. Because um, you did help in that situation, didn't we you? We did, yeah. We, because you know, law enforcement aren't necessarily trained in in what to do with with wildlife. Neither are the rest of the you know rest of people wandering around Fargo, I guess. But, but that incident really just kind of showed me that's really how you see how humans are encroaching on animals, um, wildlife, and and how our instinct to you know just get in the in their face and go watch it like a almost like a freak show can really um, cause kind of negative re- repercussions, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, uh, I think working in media, there are times where you're like, should I report on this? Because, yes, there's a moose, mm-hmm. but they don't want a thousand people to go and like swarm around to see this moose. That's when someone gets hurt. Right. So you take it from where you could just let the moose pass through. But once you start to get, uh, you know, everybody over there to to watch it, then that's where you have a lot of problems. And that's often when it goes south or when you have to put the animal down. There's a there's a thing that used to be popular in tourism called bear dumps. Where oh. <laughs> like smaller towns, smaller communities would have yep. a dump, and then every night bears would come to the dump. Oh, mm-hmm. and okay. so they would say like, "Oh, you can go and you can park and you can watch these bears dig through the garbage." Oh, that's just like yeah. an awful idea. It is. That seems and like then, an absolutely terrible yes, idea. <laughs> they wonderfully lampoon it in the John Candy that's, film, The Great Outdoors. That's when I started laughing when you told the story because like a bear dump. That's not really funny, but as soon as you said it, my my head went right to John Candy. <laughs> yeah, and like. <laughs> And even like with it, he goes up to a guy at a bar and he goes, what's a bear dump situation around here? <laughs> but he, uh, he's like, the bears are so far away. They're like, you guys want to see a show? And he's like, he's like, hey guys, you want a Zagnut? And he throws this candy bar into the dump and one of the bears gets attention. And then he's like, he taps out his car with these candy bars. And then two of them finally come up and are laying on top of his car. Like these giant black bears. And he, he's doing this, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and it is it's a wonderful, wonderful scene. It's a really scene funny from scene. I think he, like they drive away with one still on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I know that I've gone to on like a family vacation as a kid, some place where you can drive through like bear land and there's like Oh yeah, there's uh, bear country in South Dakota. Bears right there. Mm-hmm. And you, you just stay in your car. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just remember what what was that? What I think it? Bear Country bear in country? South Dakota. It must be out maybe in... South Dakota sounds right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was that trip that, that we saw it on. So, I mean, that doesn't seem like a good idea, does it? No, it doesn't seem like a good idea to me. <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of drive through parks that are, are done really, really well. And what a lovely way to view a lot of animals, you know? I just so. remember thinking, this is a ton of bears. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's a bear every 10 feet. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> a, a lot like, of bears. Like, if, these, if all these bears organized, they could seriously <laughs> mess up this part of the country. Right. <laughs> Why do you think people have a fascination with zoos? You know, I think that zoos have a really interesting 
you know, back history, but I really do think that people just love to see something different. And you're not, you're not, not all of us are going to be able to get out to see these kind of animals and to get up close and up close viewing, viewing. I think that that's what the appeal is. But now with modern day zoos, I think that it really, we complement um, conservation so well. And the, most people are not aware of what zoos are doing behind the scenes. And maybe we haven't done a good enough job about talking about it publicly, but what we're doing with the money when people come to spend time with their family and, and learn something new. Um, it's really funding a lot of really, really amazing conservation work. So, um, so going back to reduce, reuse, recycle mm-hmm. and conservation, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Harris had showed me a, a gallery on your Facebook about how during cleanup week you would go out and use <laughs> things like a refrigerator that somebody has thrown out. Yes. Uh, those are hilarious. My garbage picks. Yeah. I, I'm going to keep doing them. Sometimes people are like, yeah, I don't know if you should do those anymore, you know, because of the position you're in. But it's like, oh, no, they're super funny. Yeah. And, and if I can, I'll take it like an artistic thing like, oh, well, this is about how much garbage we have in society. I'll try to take it serious, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that way. But it's super funny. Every year people are, when are you putting in your garbage picks? So. For those of who maybe aren't aware of what we do in Fargo, because not every community does that, but no. once a year for a whole week, everybody puts out on their lawns or boulevards kind of all of the trash that they don't want anymore. And you see a lot of people come by and and I'm um, going to be pick. purging during that period I can't of time. Wait. Big time. I can't wait either. And it's not just bags of garbage. You're not talking about like, oh, I haven't been throwing away my cereal boxes this last right. year. Like giant pieces of furniture appliances, the things that don't fit in your trash can are the things that you find on the street. The things that you just don't have the emotional capacity to get rid of any other way besides just going, ugh. And like you've already been been (laughs) told by your supervisor at work not to use the work dumpster anymore. (laughs) Um, The thing I love the most about cleanup week is the fact that it is not just about garbage. It's mm-hmm. about finding a new life for, I would say, yeah. half the items that I get know. put out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this last year, I put out a ton of stuff. We cleaned out the crawl space in our basement. hasn't been cleaned out since the 50s. Yeah. And so I put all of this stuff out on our boulevard, and 90% of it, someone yeah. else grabbed. No, it's amazing. Like, it's actually amazing because so cool. people take things in there and they you know, take whatever nasty couch and they totally will redo it and... Yeah, it's a really wonderful way, I think, in a, in a way. I don't think that was the intention of it, but it has turned into a really wonderful way of people repurposing things or um, reusing things. My mom uh, is an interior designer. I remember as a kid, it was hilarious because whenever she'd put stuff out, it was like she was a salesperson. Because <laughs> she'd see somebody looking at the table and she's like, just wait a minute. I have really adorable chairs that go with that. I'm going to go inside and get them. And then she told them the whole history of where whatever furniture store it was she bought that at. So, yeah, so on Garbage Week... Um, I, it just kind of started really organically, but I, I basically what I do is I put as many different costumes in my car as possible that I can think of, like what kind of garbage am I going to find and what kind of car- costume would go well with that um, with that rubbish and uh, drive around and, and then pose like we're still using it. Like you had like an aerobics outfit. You, I think you were on like a piece of workout equipment or like a, yes. a treadmill that some, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that people are putting out there, like old eighties treadmills that yep. still work. Right? They just don't look as fancy as the new stuff. One of my favorites, I had like a 1950s kind of like housewife um, dress on and an apron and I was scrubbing a toilet <laughs> and <laughs> was that one on the boulevard. The, and people will call me too, like, oh, wait, there's a really great piece of garbage. <laughs> there was a jacuzzi, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's or some a sun tanning bed. Out here. Somebody will call, and they're, there's a sun tanning bed on Fourth Avenue. Go, go. You know, so 
whip on the bikini and jump on this sun tanning bed. But it's great because you watch people's reaction as they're either driving by or the people that are in their house kind of peeking out of the windows. And sometimes you'll you'll see them in the in the images, which is really hilarious. A few years ago, as as like a publicity piece, I made bingo cards called Mm -hmm. Clean Up Week Bingo, and so. It's you and your friends or you and your family can drive around. Everyone gets a different card and it's different stuff on each card. Yeah. And so it's like tire. Okay, yeah, I got tire under the I. Oh, and someone else might have tire under the G. And so then you cross that out and whoever gets the bingo first gets whatever the coolest mm. thing that you found during your it. drive. Hmm. Yeah. And it's and I think people end up collecting more stuff. Yeah. You know, take Tucker's dad. Tucker's dad is like a bloodhound when it comes to finding things. He'll he'll be he like refers to it as curb appeal. Oh, nice. Is the rating. Yep. He's like, oh, it's got some good curb appeal. He's not being <laughs> ironic in any way. Right, right. He sees it as a very professional sounding term. Mm-hmm. He uses it for garage sales all the time and mm-hmm. cleanup week. It really comes into play for sure. Yeah, he's the type of man who can go. Oh, I can sell that for five bucks. Yeah, he right. can buy it for one, sell it for five. <laughs> and he's very, very proud of himself. Um one of the things he's a retired uh, teacher. He's got to like he's got out he's got time. What he's he doesn't get from that. So this year I'm going to do something different with my cleanup week because we have mm-hmm. a couple of appliances that we're going to throw. Uh, we're going to put out, not yes. throw away. We're <laughs> put, put out for out. other people. Yeah, respect there. But yeah. what Let's drives me there. nuts is last year we put out this steam cleaner that was perfectly good. It still worked 100. percent I know what you're going to say. And someone came and clipped the, the cord, cord off because they know. wanted the copper from inside the cord. And so they just they ruined this piece of equipment. Yeah. Right. So this year, I'm gonna take like this whatever the Saturday or Sunday is, and that's when I'm gonna put out all of the stuff that has cords. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna sit in my driveway, and you know I don't know, watch Game of Thrones on my phone or there you go <laughs> or you know read a book. <laughs> and when someone pulls up, if they head over to that, I'm like, better not clip that cord. <laughs> Sounds like a day well spent, JJ. It is. I, I, I can see a really good garbage week photo with yeah. that one. I'll grab some scissors. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, ah, ah, ah. no, no, no. Uh, be like a neighborhood it crime does watch upset crew. you though, because you. It is. Oh, you, yeah. I, I even put signs, you know, like still works, works perfectly, and, yeah. and when they take the cord, you're like, oh man. Right. Come on now. Right. Now you got to remove the sign because it yeah. doesn't work When it's anymore. just all sad because you're like mm-hmm. waiting like somebody's going to get a really good whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I know that later this year I'll be moving into a new apartment. And I've asked my friends to help me move 20 times over the last 10 years. Mm. Wait, hold on. You've got friends other than me because I know I have <laughs> been just you and me moving you about a million times. Yeah, but there's other friends. people. All there's of my friends, people. JJ, do we really want to talk about... How sad the statement is that I'm making right now. All of my friends came and helped me, JJ. It's just awful. And it's always it's always the hottest day of the so, year. So what I'm trying to say is, is, is I better hire people this time. Oh, uh-huh. sure. Because I just can't call up JJ anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so I need to get rid of as much stuff as I can so there's not much to move. But also most of the crap I have is it's just sitting in a garage. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need it. I, I think I'm going to use it for something I'm never going to. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's lighten the load. This year might be big because Marie Kondo, I think that oh, people are going to totally yes. Kondo I keep everything. getting told by my family members who see mm-hmm. how disgustingly I live that <laughs> I really need to start watching her show. So I'm going to start, but I it's keep hearing awesome. her name come up. Mm-hmm. I do think so. I've watched her program and I find it to be great. I haven't implemented any of it in my own life in my house because <laughs> yep. I, I'm a pack rat. I love to keep 
you know, things. Oh, sure. I like to be the person who's like, God, I need an old timey typewriter. Is there anyone who has it? Oh yeah, I got an old downstairs. Typewriter. You just gotta. It's gonna take me an hour to dig through the rest <laughs> of the pile, but I'll find it. Um, but the thing that I feel like people are going to regret about this movement mm-hmm. is they're gonna re- they're going to get rid of things that have a family history when you're too young to know and respect oh, a sure. family history. Mm. I could see that. I could so, see that. you know, I had a friend who was like, oh yeah, I got rid of this old uh, writing desk that my, gra- you know, that was my grandpa's because no one ever uses it and it's just been sitting there collecting dust and like, you know, in your early 20s, you probably don't need a writing desk inside your house, but you're going to regret not having that writing desk. Still mm-hmm. kicking yourself over those hummels, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I am. I, uh, years ago, we were cleaning out my the basement of my house. Now, my grandfather built the house that I grew up in. My parents bought it from him, and now I own it. So, oh, like, nice. I'm the third generation. Only family's ever lived in this house. And one <laughs> of the things we did was clean out the basement at one point, and I found these ugly Precious Moment dolls. Right. I was like, these are not cute. <laughs> There's no sayings on them. They're just ugly. It's all earth tones. Gross. As so, opposed to those really nice, aesthetically right. pleasing. Right. <laughs> Precious, precious moments. moments dolls, which are really, which I would absolutely have kept had I right. thought they were precious so moments. So I took a box, like a big box of all of this crap, and I dropped it off at the boys' ranch. And then serendipitously, serendipity, ser- <laughs> coincidentally, I was walking down the street and I walked by Royal Jewelers. And I noticed they have these ugly precious moment dolls <laughs> in the window. And I'm like, look at these ugly things. And my friend goes, yeah, those are Hummels. They're like porcelain, hand-painted things. It comes from one company. They're really expensive. And I went, oh, damn. (laughs) So I went back to see if they still had them. And no, no, no. Someone had grabbed them right away. And it was a full collection that my grandmother had purchased when she was in Germany on a trip. It's a real bummer. Like that could have paid for like my education. (laughs) Or like a dune buggy. Yeah, yep. <laughs> something really education you, or a dune buggy that you can pass hard down to further call. generations, like a dune buggy. <laughs> uh, this is my grandpa's dune buggy. It hasn't run in a long time, but yeah. he wanted me to hold on to it. Marie Kondo says I should make space, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is uh, like you said? You grew up in D.C. Well, when I was really little, because my dad was um, my dad was in the army. He was an attorney in the army. So then we were there till I was maybe three, four. And we moved to North Dakota from then on. So. I've been here since I've been in Fargo since fourth grade. So your wait, your dad was a military attorney, mm-hmm. like in the movie. Uh, was it like you can't handle the truth? Oh, maybe. Like, or like oh. in Jag. Oh, well, I, those uh, those I mean are Navy attorneys. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. I think of like what are the Army base attorneys? Like, right. did you order the code red? A few good men. <laughs> yeah. That's the movie I'm thinking of. Uh, so what was he in the military beforehand, and then he went to school, and then. Got, I think he went to school. Room. I don't know exactly how it went. How it went down. I think he went to law school first, and then he was. Well, that's cool. You know, yeah. You yeah. forget that things like the army need things like attorneys or right. or like or or full time like uh, custodians. Right, right, right. And the jobs <laughs> that it takes to make you know the wheels turn and the days go by. So, well, that's really interesting. Yeah, probably like as he was young and starting out, he probably got a lot of really interesting experience in that in that field. So, yeah. Well, but now like, he's a judge. It's so, um, oh, yeah? Yes, yes, he is. And it's really funny because we'll be out for dinner or whatever. And he's like, not to be judgmental, but <laughs> it's kind of what I have to do. <laughs> uh, 
I hope that's why he became a judge was just because he really <laughs> wanted to. He had that judgmental. Pun, he just was all the ready time. to yeah, roll exactly. with it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so it, you, you came to North Dakota. Have you always been in Fargo? or? Yeah, we were out in Williston first because I think during the first boom in the 80s that he was doing some you know, mineral law or whatever. And then um, we moved to Fargo when, when I was in fourth grade. So I've been here for a long time. But I really like Fargo. I know you started. we started out the conversation with people thinking that Fargo is like podunky, but it's such an interesting community, I think, in the Midwest at least. Um, we're, we're different. We really are. And, it's, and people here are really kind and nice, but also there's a little bit of like crazy artsy stuff going on, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. So oh, I, without a doubt, when people call it flyover country, mm-hmm. it bothers me because it's like, there's some really hip stuff going on right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are shallow people. We don't want them here anyway. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Get, get, get out of here. Get. Um, and there are some backwater parts of our state. Like, oh, sure. you know, absolutely. But there you find those in every state. Right. I have never been to a single state that does not have a gas station that features a t-shirt of a wolf howling at the moon. <laughs> no, it's not like we That's live true. in like a reality warp. You know, like you can get out of Fargo for a weekend if you need or travel somewhere and still have a life. But like with Fargo, I mean, there's there's just none of the stresses of like a major, major city. Yeah. Well, in Fargo, if you want to make something happen, you can do it. Yeah. You know, if you want to get super involved with something or create something, you've instantaneously finds a support network of other people that want to do something the similar, same thing, or want you to succeed. And you can't do that everywhere. You know, it's just like us with this crazy dream of building this zoo dedicated only to cold climate species that, you know. So along those lines, Mm -hmm. is there uh, a particular critter Mm -hmm. that would work well at the Fargo Zoo that you don't have that would Mm -hmm. be like a dream get for you? Yeah. So, because you think about cold climate Animals. A lot of times when people go to zoos, they think right away about the African megafauna. So you think about zebras, you know, gorillas, whatever it is. But when you start to look at animals that live in cold, um, cold weather, there's some really fantastic and surprising. So I think if, if I had like my dream before I retired, if we just go straight to like the big animals, um, I would love to have some um, some jellyfish. I would love to have walruses, puffins, um, and this other animal will be called saiga. I don't know if you've heard of Saiga before, but if you haven't, Google them. They're amazing. They're like a little hoofstock, but they have really long noses that are almost, they're adorable. And their noses are so bizarre and different. And so I like to look at those animals that are, one, in need, you know, um, and seriously threatened. And then those animals that are really unique that people don't, don't see or don't know about, I get a huge kick out of people finding something like, oh, I never even knew that animal was, was alive or was a thing. So, so if, if, if the zoo specializes in, in animals that you know, thrive in a cold environment, mm-hmm. what do you do then when it's not cold, when it's summertime mm-hmm. here in Fargo? So they're really perfectly adapted for environments just like Fargo. So you know, with that extreme cold, extreme hot that you get, like our Bactrian camels, they're so well adapted for life when it gets really warm. And then, then they... Um, and for the really super cold because of the way that their their nostrils are and their eyelashes and their you know fur and things like that. So they do really well. But all of our animals do have indoor areas that they can go into that are heated or cooled. Um, and I, I we choose to just give them choice or give them access to that all the time because um, I, I don't like the idea of locking an animal on or off exhibit. I like them to have choice in their life. And I figure if we're doing a good enough job, uh, they should want to be outside. So... Yeah, it's all about choice and about um, there's really a lot 
of concern about animal welfare in our daily work and what we do. And I think, you know, there's some anti-zoo people out there. Fargo is not as, you know, North Dakota, we don't have it as much, but, you know, in the United States, there's a lot of anti-zoo people or anti-captivity people um, that I think are really, they love animals, but I think they're, they're really um, misjudging or misled as to what a real accredited zoo does for animal welfare. So. And there's probably plenty of examples for them to point to of unethical zoos that are out there mm-hmm. or unethical captivity mm-hmm. of, of animals and, mm-hmm. and, and to say that that is the that's the whole way about it. But I really like that you that 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 your organization has this mission statement that makes it we're not going to put, you know, a cheetah mm-hmm. in Fargo's winter all winter long and make them deal with that. You know, right. that, 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 that makes no sense. So I really like that you have that mission. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure because we are small, you know, so there's a lot, and, and people do have this weird expectation that they're going to see an elephant or whatever it is. And so we try to get on top of that right away, educate people as to what we're doing so they understand what they're going to experience. But there is a pressure <clears throat> like get tigers, get tigers, get tigers, get tigers, you know, but I'm not going to do it. We're not going to do it until we can do it right. Like tigers, emer tigers would fit within our collection plan. They'd be absolutely perfect because they're from Russia and again, same similar climate. But I'm not going to just, you know, make a concrete floor and cage. We're going to do it right, and that costs money. So it, money means support. Well, how does how does one get a, a, a tiger ethically? Like, mm-hmm. like what is sort of uh, what would be the venue that you would be going through to do that? So we get all of our animals through other zoos. So other accredited zoos, because the main purpose of of one of the main purposes of modern zoos is our our captive breeding programs, which is SSP's species survival plan, with the thought that at zoos, what we can do is we can breed enough genetic diversity within captivity that if the animal were threatened in the wild or went extinct, that we could, in theory, repopulate a healthy um, population for 100 years. That's the kind of the goal. And so you can pick which animals you think you can contribute to that you can house you know, appropriately. And so um, we get all of our animals through other accredited zoos that way. You don't pay for them or anything like that. And you have to have um, proven yourself. You have to be accredited and show that you're meeting or exceeding. I like to exceed (laughs) Um, the standards for for care, for veterinary, for um, animal welfare, for your exhibitry, for your conservation and education components. And once you can prove yourself for that given animal, um, you know, then you can... Move them in. And what's at the beginning of that supply chain then as far as like, I know you're getting it from an accredited zoo, but where mm-hmm. is that accredited zoo getting the animal from? Typically they're born, they are born in other zoos. Got it. In, okay. So a lot of times it will be born in the zoo that I'm getting it from. Got or it. a lot of times we're moving animals behind the scenes. Like we just got a new panda in last week and we'll be moving another one out. So the animals you see on exhibit might not be the exact same individuals from year to year if they're part of our breeding program. Gotcha. Because we get recommendations from the SSP based off of um, the number of individuals we have in, the, in under human care and then uh, those individual animals, um, I guess, genetic history. So they'll say, well, Fargo has a panda that, you know, would be really valuable if we breed it with this panda over here or whatever. Um, and so I'm pretty, I'm so really... Like the match.com yeah, yeah. pandas to so hook up. We, we don't just have zoo babies to have babies, even though people love to see <laughs> we them. We don't just have zoo babies yeah, to have there, babies. It, there has to be a purpose, um, and there has to be a home for them once they're born. I won't breed animals just to 
to breed or to get people excited about zoo babies. There has to be a real specific purpose for them. Before we move on, I just want to mm-hmm. offer, if you want to top off your Spanish olives jar, oh, this yes. is untouched coffee Ooh. that you're more than welcome mm-hmm. to pour in there. I am going to. Let's see how this goes. Go for there it. You go. Don't put too much in there. It'll burn your hands because it's know. hot coffee. I know. I think I'm going to make, I'm going to sew some little cozies for these. Oh. I mean, this is going to be a thing now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be carrying like around. you got to keep the label. Yes, that I think and that's And is that key. label going to survive multiple washes? We'll see. Well, it survived a few so far. Okay. We'll see. But, you know, I even put jars in my kids' lunch boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, people used to use jars all the time. Yeah. And now you use plastic. And you take you use it once and you toss it away. And then, you know, I mean, you see more and more. Thankfully, you see more and more on social media people talking about what has happened because of single-use plastics. It's It's... Sad. Oh, one of the most tra- so uh, I'm getting to the point of where it's like I'm time time to make a drastic change. I'm using a plastic straw right now, but I mm-hmm. did finally break down and buy myself a reusable straw. Nice. Because yep. I saw a video of a sea turtle who mm. had like sucked a straw through its nose and they had to like extract it. Yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. I know, and well, and it becomes so overwhelming because you I've, just I've named done it myself. One of my favorite animals, by the way. You start looking at all the plastic or all whatever topic it is, um, and it starts to become overwhelming. And you're just like, "Well, I guess I'm not going to do anything then because it's nothing I can do about it. It's just little things, but little things add up. And so if yeah. it's a little thing like getting rid of the straw, and a lot of people do it. I mean, because right now I think there was an estimated what is it, eight point whatever billion straws in the waterways in the United <laughs> States. Now, I'm not like a big, I'm not a big downer. I'm not a big person that judges, you know, anybody else. But for me, myself, I try to look at that. One of the stupidest things though I did, I tried to eliminate using garbage bags last year. Mm, And because I was like, well, this is stupid. I'm putting garbage in a bag and then putting the bag in the garbage. I'm like, that's just crazy. So I went like bagless. Ugh. I have to come up with a different solution because that's pretty disgusting. Because there's so much it's, runny garbage juice out there. Yes. You basically, you have to hose out your garbage can after every yeah, use. Yeah, like every, it almost seemed like a couple times a week, I was scrubbing this garbage can. And I know that sounds really like, oh, well, Sally, you know, put plastic in the environment or scrub a garbage tank. Like, I, that makes me sound really pathetic, but mm. it got just disgusting. Right. You're going, Ugh. I know. I'm like, Ugh. why is my house like this? <laughs> So I had to find another <laughs> another solution for what that if, one. What is there any way to merely take one bag, line the trash container with it, but get the bag to stay there when the dump truck comes? Well, see, that's why I was thinking I might sew with like some like kind of bag that then could be washed, maybe like tossed in my right. So yeah. really, you're looking at like a tarp material for yeah. a bag. So like, uh, if you ever go to IKEA, the mm-hmm. bags that they give you at IKEA to walk around with are mm-hmm. tarp. We I use those for everything, oh, but you nice. could easily you could put that in your dishwasher, oh, and it would be fine, probably. Crazy, or probably, could, or, <laughs> e- or even with just like heavy duty garbage bags, you would just be using far less than right. you would be if you if you're bagging garbage up individually. Yeah, like because if you get your your you know your plastic bag with your groceries and then you toss your plastic bag in another plastic bag, it just seemed so redundant. But yeah. I think yeah. that people would recycle more. So. Here's here's a wacky theory for you. So if you had to actually take your garbage to the dump yourself, oh wow! But they would collect your recycling and they would collect your compost. You would Ooh. see people compost and recycle like crazy hmm. because then they're only taking one bag of garbage to the dump. Yeah. I, at one point, I mean, you've lived in apartments. I assume you've lived in apartments. Mm-hmm. I know for me, it was a thing where when I lived with two other. Well, you know, like just young men who are able-bodied and smart. 
We had six bags of garbage at one point because no one bothered to just grab the bag and walk right. it out to the dumpster. <laughs> right. Uh, right, right. And that became like a thing at one point. I just thought, God, how lazy are we yeah. with this thing? The, one of my favorite apartments I ever lived at was right down the hall. There was just a chute to drop it in. And oh. then it just magically it went just away. It just disappeared. And just, oh, <laughs> garbage is gone. I only stepped five feet. That was pretty sweet. When I lived in a high rise in Chicago, we had a garbage chute. And I had a neighbor who lived right next to the elevator. And the garbage chute. Mm-hmm. And so if you came out of your door after 10 o'clock, he, it's like he was just sitting there. He'd open the door and be like, it's after 10 o'clock. You should take the stairs. Oh. You're not throwing out garbage, are you? Because <laughs> I was on like the 15th floor. So you'd throw the garbage in here like. That's fun. And so he was like the person who is reminding you that there's other people on this floor who are going to be bothered. And I'm like, listen, the only person that's going to bother is you. And you're already awake. Right. You're bothering me. So I think we're good to go. Does your um, house have a laundry chute? No, it used our old I house. I love did. those. Yeah, my uh, husband has been well. blocked by furniture for, yeah. for a while, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to moving out of this house and moving into an apartment, so that a lot of like the house things mm-hmm. are just no longer a thing. I think about like snow removal this winter mm-hmm. really sucked Ooh. for me because yeah. we don't have a snowblower. and so I was like, I I can't shovel all this, so I just let it sit, and mm-hmm. I just basically had. Snow all over. What do you do with the zoo? Was there ever a time where the snow got so they high? They did a it brilliant was, thing. They where you did. were like, uh, uh-oh, the wolves might jump the fence? Well, yeah. Well, this It was like backbreaking, this one. It just wouldn't stop. And then, because you have to not only do the you know the human pathways and things, but all the animal exhibits, we have to shovel. Because, one, we want to give them enough space so that they can move around. Um, but also, again, you're right. You don't want it getting so high that somebody's wandering somewhere where they shouldn't be. So you're just shoveling and shoveling. And then the next day, it would be blown in, and you're shoveling again. And... It was. I could see my staff. The morale was just starting to break, and I think probably everybody in Fargo was starting to break a little bit. Um, and all one week, literally all of our equipment—the truck, the Bobcat, and all of our snow blowers—all broke because they had just been used <laughs> so done. much. We're done. And people were just like, "I can't anymore." And so we just thought, "Well, let's just um, call in our partners. Let's call in the community because everybody has those neighbors that will do your." your sidewalk for you. That's totally just what they do in Fargo. It's their love language. Yeah. So I create, we created an event we called it Shovel Fest because one that made us laugh really hard, but it also made it seem more fun than actually (laughs) shoveling is. Um, And we just put it out there. Anybody who wants to come and help us, give us some relief, get us, help us get these areas clear. We had like 40 people come out we gave them hot chocolate and they were so happy, big smiles on their face. Their cheeks were so red because it was so cold, but just shoveling away. But it really helped. I think the staff feel, um, Supported by the community, you know. So now that you now that shovel fest is is a success, have you thought mm-hmm. about doing like okay, it's crap fest? Everyone come and help <laughs> us clean out the crap bins. Uh, bring your kids. We're gonna provide hot chocolate afterwards. Uh, you know, I just. That's the thing. You're tapping into that great upper Midwest mentality of like we all lend a hand. We're all here. Mm-hmm. We all know that the winter is brutal. So yeah. what can we do to help yeah. uh, another entity? Well, do for the critters. You know, there there are mm-hmm. animals there. They have no concept of how to handle these piles of snow. Mm-hmm. So do it for them. I mean, yeah, because it just starts to it just starts to build up. Right. You right. know, there's in actually, the wild, they could just walk away from it at that point and find a place where there was less snow. Yeah, they're, they're vulnerable, mm-hmm. and so you got to at least protect them that way. Yeah. But I just love the idea of, of just attaching the word fest at the end. Yeah, yes, that makes it fun. Oh yeah. Well, we're coming up with it. We 
Jeremiah, that's um, my CFO, and I, we just laugh in my office all the time. Just like when we did, you know, the April Fool's things, we just like spit ideas out and then laugh really hard. And we're like, shovel fest, shovel fest, be there. Yep, people will come to that. Let's call it shovel fest. Yeah, yeah why not, right? <laughs> Uh, what do uh, bring your favorite shovel? Show yes. off your shovel. Yeah. What, what <laughs> are some things that uh, that made the whiteboard but never were implemented? <laughs> Whether it was like you looked at it the next day and you're like, "What were we?" What's like thinking? hold off on that? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't know because I just we are so open to these ideas. We pretty much do. Whatever comes in there. Okay. You know? Let Tucker and I will pitch you some ideas right here, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's the barely there <laughs> day. It's a clothing optional day at the zoo. Okay. Here's B-A-R-E, the B-A-R E, not B-E-A-R. Yeah. But see, it's fun because when you say it, it's a homophone. Yes. It's mm-hmm. there in the UK the zoo did that. It, it wasn't called bar- so you you can coin that. That's really good. <laughs> But they had a day, and then they raised money. I think for raised money for endangered species, and every all of their zoo staff was like ran naked through the zoo. But that's in the UK. I don't yeah. know if we can get away with yeah. that in Fargo, I but possibly. You know, uh, we could so, have a day where it's it's come touch a cow day. So come touch the cow if you've never touched a cow before. Anyone who has not touched a cow, we have one. You can touch it. You know, the one thing that interests me about our zoo is there's also a, an agricultural component to the mm-hmm. Red River Zoo, which mm-hmm. is in, interesting because you've got people 10 miles away who are like, why do I want to pay admission to come see a pig? I just had to deal with a pig. Yeah. But there are plenty of people in the city who don't have a direct connection to a farm right. who want to see what that looks like. You mm-hmm. think downtown Chicago, sure, of course they've got what life on the farm is like, but Fargo is now a big enough place where, you know, I yeah. I had never touched a pig growing up. I didn't have any grandparents who had a farm. And so getting to see, like, you got, like, a, a giant sow, right? Yeah, you know, yes. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, massive. Two Hereford hogs that are, like, 500 pounds. Um, but, yeah, the thing with the having the Children's Zoo Farm is that's an area where people can, con- you know, be in contact with the animals. Because that's when people think people crave, I think, is being having really up-close experiences with the animals. Well, we're not going to do that with the wolves or, you know, our camels or something. But the, Not yet, anyway. But yeah. you guys <laughs> might need the financial push at some point to have a contest to <laughs> well, hang we out are, with the wolf. We are doing some really cool experiences, but... With the zoo farm, that's where you can only, you just need an attendant there. You don't need somebody constantly there facilitating it, and people can have these really fun experiences. But also, agriculture has its own story. I think in North Dakota, that's super important that um, gets overlooked. Many places, when they talk about agriculture, when families, you know, kind of attraction, they talk about it in this really cartoony way, like, visit us on grandpa's farm and he wears overalls and they drive a red tractor or they <laughs> it's true sold yeah <laughs> or they go like way back to the 1800s or they're but, like this steam machine would plow a field in two fortnights right but like the the story of modern agriculture and technology and science that goes into that is just insane like myself when i started working on the project with the different um agriculture businesses and and um, farmers I was like, wow, I didn't know. Like, what? You know, like you get inside a combine and it's crazy in there. It's actually fun for adults to get right. into a combine mm-hmm. and look at all the different stuff. Um, but persi- what they're doing with precision ag- agriculture to try to like um, make the most of the land that they have and, and, and what farmers do to protect their land is a story that isn't often told. So we, I, 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 I'm pretty, I, I would bet money that in the next, well, let's just call it 20 years, mm-hmm. um, 
we'll have enough uh, technology where growing beef in a culture mm-hmm. would be far better in every single way than actually slaughtering a cow for it. Right, but like we won't call it beef though. That's the thing right. is like even today they're talking about how if it's not the musculature of a living animal, right. it needs to be it needs to be classified and called right. something, something else. else. Because we've already we're already getting stuff like that, right? And right. we're assuming that it's beef, but then we find out, oh wait, this is Twenty percent beef and twenty percent this and twenty percent right. this. Well, but mm-hmm. in in the hypothetical future I'm talking about, though, in that world, you are literally taking beef tissue and just growing beef. So it is effectively beef. It's not like twenty percent and then a bunch of synthetic plastic. But regardless, in that scenario, um, we're just going to have a ton of cows that we don't need to kill anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we going to do? I kind of want to just like release them in like all of the <laughs> national parks. And be like, we have holocausted your race for I, I would not advocate thousands for of that. years. <laughs> yeah. And so you now know, just run free. Just, let's just, just upset be free. the natural you, order of things. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever seen me after like an all you can eat buffet? That would be the look on all the predators that you'd see in all these national parks are like, oh I just But if the I cows so were to much. organize <laughs> if you gave them the freedom of choice, mm, they might yeah, do it. Good point. Good or point. just take them all and put them in bear land and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'd get along. Uh, okay, so let's <laughs> let's go through like a real quick thing of some questions that everyone wants to know about a zoo, but they never get a chance to actually talk to Ooh. someone who runs a zoo. Food, where do you get it? Where do we, like, for the animals? Yeah, not for yourself. I'm assuming you've got <laughs> yeah, Spanish, like you got Spanish olives. I assume you're going to a Target or grocery store. It depends on the species. So, um, so we do we do order specific meat for our carnivores for for from a company that does that. Uh, but the, I think the most interesting thing that we get from our food, we get of course our vegetables and produce donated from. Um, grocery stores when it hits the sell by, by date they give it to us because they can't sell it to people anymore but it's still good and then um, for our, our wolves if somebody hits a deer in town when they're driving uh, with it if it's dead within 24 hours the police will bring it over to us and we freeze it and feed it to our wolves huh. nice so, yeah so it depends on which animal so you're not going to Petco and buying like you know massive amount you'd be like no. oh zoo's here you know sometimes in a pinch though because you're like oh we really need some parrot food you know <laughs> it's the same stuff so yeah two what do you do with the animal waste because oh. like I clean up my backyard after my dogs are out there mm-hmm. and I, I've got two dogs and they're not the size of the wolves. That's not a pack by right. any means. Right. There's a big composting area in the back. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then we do haul it out. You know, I can't remember how often we haul it out, but we do. Is it like whoever, whoever arrived a couple minutes late gets the short job? <laughs> like, oh, I guess who's cleaning up the dung the today? The dump truck. I'm yep. sorry. We're all out of wolf poop, but we got some goat left if you want some of that. Yeah. But I think that if we were to actually you know, invest a lot in the, in the composting area, we could sell that because um, oh, it's very nutrient rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But for right now, we just kind of compost it ourselves and then bring it out to the city. That's smart. Yeah. Um, when an animal passes, mm-hmm. how hard is it to get everyone to 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 shake that and continue on? Because it can be really I, difficult. I love my pets a lot, mm-hmm. and I don't spend nearly as much time with my pets yeah. as some of your keepers do with their animals. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the keepers are with the animals literally all day and they're paid to really know that individual animal and to be able to detect little changes in their behavior. It can be really difficult, but then again, it's part of being in, in the business. You know, it's like, you don't, 
if um, you don't want to experience the loss of losing a pet, don't have a pet. I know that sounds really terrible, um, but it's just part of it. Some of them just really emotionally destroy you when, when one of them passes, but yeah. Oh yeah. With both my cats, when I got them, each of them, I was like, you are a future heartbreak. I'm agreeing to take on right now. Right. But, exactly. But, it's, but at the same time, it's worth it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you mm -hmm. actually form a bond with that, with that critter. But yeah, that's got to be tough. Do you have patrons who like come and mourn an animal as well? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there was a, an incident like a few years ago, not incident, but we had a cow that had been at the zoo forever. I mean, he was like 17 or 18 years old. People oh. loved him and he had cancer and we knew that he wasn't going to make it for very long. So we just started a really open campaign of emails that we'd send out with um updates from our doctor to letting people know where he was at in his and his process and then when it became time where his life we determined his quality of life wasn't um wasn't too good anymore when we put him down we did that that story too and people were overwhelmingly so supportive of us and kind of grieved with us rather than keeping that hidden and then all of a sudden Brutus is just gone you know so I like to be as open and transparent with people as possible because they're part of this you know our guests are part of the story as, as well so well that's awesome yeah okay so right. uh people have listened to this and they're like dang I want to go to the Red River Zoo this yes. sounds awesome uh wh where are you located how can they find you online how yes. can they give you some money all right well you can do all of those things I think go to our Facebook if you're on Facebook I really love our Facebook page I think it's hilarious so Red, at Red River awesome. Zoo um or of course we're in Fargo 4255 23rd Avenue South on redriverzoo.org and any of those places you're going to find lots of way to um, to join us and to donate and and to help and we do have Party for the Planet coming up on April 20th so that's the big kickoff for our season our Earth Day event and we'll be opening a brand new exhibit so we have Eurasian links coming in very soon so. and your gift shop is top notch so if you're looking Thank for you. Uh, a gift for someone that's unique, something that they haven't seen a million times uh, browsing the aisles of Target, you can oh. go to the Red River Zoo and find a really cool gift, especially yeah. if you have that young animal lover in your life. Yeah, there you go. And remember, at the beginning of this podcast, Sally said that she looks forward to April Fool's prank calls. <laughs> I so do. So next year at this time, <laughs> be ready. because Reward her. And, reward and make, her. It, make it a good one. Make it a really good one that I that I tell them for years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a camel. <laughs> I found a payphone. Uh, that's because that's what camel sound like, right? We're yeah. all agreed. Yeah. Uh, what was less realistic is that the camel found a payphone. Right. That's what I was like, thinking. He would have had like Verizon or something at the very least. Well, I'm on 5G. Uh, Sally, thank you so much for coming yeah, on the thank show. Thank you. And uh, don't spill your Spanish olive jar coffee. I love it. Good thing you've got the lid. That's right. Thank you. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, she's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, Natalie at HatchRealtyFM.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's LiveFargoMoorhead.com. 
read all of her amazing reviews, and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash JJ Meets World and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com, and you can find direct contact info for JJ. Hey, I think there's a map on the bottom of this chair. What is it? What is it? Oh my god. I think we're having a Goonies moment. <laughs>